Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jance, and my guest today is Guy Kawasaki. Many of you uh, may know him from uh, some of his many books, including Art of the Start, uh, one of his new, uh, what he likes to call Magazine Rack for Blogs, uh, All Top, a great site to check out. His blog himself, uh, How to Change the World, and we're going to talk today about his new book called Reality Check, The Irreverent Guide to Outsmarting, Outmanaging, and Outmarketing Your Competition. So, Guy, thanks for joining me. Sure. How many books have you used the word irreverent in? It seems like a, that's a constant theme of yours, isn't it? Uh, maybe. I never thought of that. Maybe two or three. <laughs> well, the rules rules for revolutionaries surely had, uh, <laughs> had, had it in there a time or two, didn't it? All right. So now this book is, just so people know, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, primarily, if not completely, a collection of, your, uh, of, of essays, if you want, uh, posts from your blog, right? It's primarily, yes. Okay. Uh, it's, it's my blog and uh, whatever else that I thought you know, made the cut. Yeah. It, but I don't want people to think that it's just copied and pasted because, trust me, it wasn't. Uh, it definitely took a lot of work. Well, I thought it would be as easy as cutting and pasting. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was the allure. You know what, though? Here, here's a couple observations, though. When you say that it wasn't easy, I'm a I, I'm a pretty avid reader of your blog, and you clearly spend. In fact, you and I have talked about this before. You clearly spend a lot of time writing your blog posts, so I wouldn't be surprised if you put it all together. I wouldn't be surprised if you have more time in this book actually than a book that you sat down and said, "Okay, I got to crank one out in ninety days." Uh, I definitely think that's the case. <laughs> and you know, the other thing that I was struck by. I you know I've I've read some of these essays, uh, but they seem they seem in a different context in a book, and I think it maybe really proves there is a reason to have books. Well, one of the frustrations of a blog is that after a week or so, you might as well have not written any particular posting. Right? It's gone. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. you know, yes, if you're lucky, and Google indexes you, and you know, people find you. Yeah, you're lucky. But other than that, it's gone. Yeah, and so, uh, I, you know, how many people know the ten, twenty, thirty rule of PowerPoint from my blog? Right. Yeah, maybe. Well, my blog. I don't know how to interpret these numbers, but theoretically, my blog gets five to ten thousand page views a day, and there's something like a hundred and ninety thousand RSS feed subscribers. I don't believe that number at all. So, someplace between five thousand and two hundred thousand readers, and. <laughs> And I think it's closer to five thousand to two hundred. Well, unless 000. unless you're talking to an advertiser, then it's two hundred thousand. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, I think there's still another four or five billion people who speak English and yeah. read English. Yeah. So I could you know, still address. So uh, that's the market. Yeah, yeah. Well, but the other thing, it's not even just. I don't know. I mean, when I read your blog, it's like here's what. Guy's thinking today, but when I go through your book, it's like here's what Guy thought about this subject. Yeah, well, people should understand that um, if if there were, I don't know, I'm, I'm making a number up, 1,500 blog entries, uh, there are not 1,500 chapters. <laughs> There's, I think, is it like a couple, 150 chapters or something? So, you know, something like one out of 10 things from my blog made it to the book. Yeah. Um, it, if, you, if you did not know my blog existed and you just bought this book, 
would think, oh, this is a book. Yeah, you wouldn't absolutely. think, oh, this is a compilation no. of stuff he just threw together. Yeah. Not at all. Well, yeah, it's 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 actually more organized than you would probably do a blog anyway. Much more so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot, and maybe you'll go, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, what's the best blog post you've ever written? Well, probably the 10, 20, 30 rule of PowerPoint. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the one that most people have used and has sort of changed their behavior. Well, you want to give us the, the, the thumbnail the, sketch of that? Yeah, the gist of that is that the ideal PowerPoint presentation or key, keynote right. is 10 slides that you can give in 20 minutes that has no font that is smaller than 30 points. Right. And if you observe those three rules, you pretty much have a better presentation than 95% of the world. Yeah, but at 30 point, I can only get about, mm, I don't know, 200 words on a slide. How can I do that? Well, you should get about <laughs> 10 words on a slide. Uh, <laughs> right. That's the whole point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of, I'm just going to bounce around to some of the, the, the things that I'm drawn to in, in the book, if you don't mind. Um, one of the, this is, this may be one of your really early blog posts, and maybe it even came out of uh, some some writing prior to the blog, but uh, one of the themes that you talk about in, in starting a business, and so uh, that's where it came from, it's in the art of the start too, I bet, um, is this idea that, that a business one of the, the elements that have to exist um, is, is that the business is out to make meaning. And you, you want to talk about that a little bit because I don't think that's no. talked about enough. It's just in my observation that companies that start with the purpose of making meaning, i.e. making the world a better place, have a much better chance of success than companies who just want to make money. Uh, those companies, for one thing, they attract the wrong kind of employees. They attract investment bankers, venture capitalists, and consultants. So and those are the worst three kind of people. Oh, I throw an MBA. So that's the four worst kind of people for startups. Well, aren't you? Aren't you three out of four of those occasionally? No. I'm a former investment banker. <laughs> I am a venture capitalist, and I do have an MBA. Okay. Well, I just wanted to be clear. Yeah, I want to, I want to get four, straight so, on that. You know, <laughs> but at least I know I'm. Four. Exactly. You know how to spot one. <laughs> yeah. Right. That I know. That's funny. So, so that's the the gist of. Um, making meaning to change the world because most times if you change the world you probably will make money yeah. but if you set off just to make money you probably won't make money and you won't change the world well so sometimes I think people get stuck on that and that idea and they go well you know I make rivets uh, that's what my company does and it's really profitable how do I make meaning well I you know I can't tell you that every company in the world makes meaning uh, but you know this is sort of the idealized you know, kick-ass company that's going to change the world. Now, this is not to say that uh, the world's best rivet maker isn't successful and profitable and a wonderful place. It could be. Uh, so I'm not saying every company has to make meaning. <laughs> Just, well, no, but I guess the point I was making maybe a little bit with that is is you can also make a company where people want to come to work and be them best selves, be their best selves, even if all the company does is make rivets. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So in that sense, yeah, that's. That's definitely true, um, and you know, literally, if you if your rivets hold together better than anything in the world, so it empowers architects to make different kinds of buildings or airplane designers to make better right. airplanes. Right. You, know, you probably are changing yeah. the world. Yeah. So sometimes it's a matter of just finding meaning. Cause yeah. Because I, I think there are a lot of people that go through life thinking, "Well, I don't do anything important," <laughs> and uh, and you obviously, uh, I, I think, well, it, just it also doesn't have to be your job. I mean, you well, can also <laughs> make meaning. In 
clubs or yeah. the PTA. You know, there's other ways to make meaning. It doesn't yeah. always have to be um, selling some social media widget. Yeah. You do a ton of uh, interviews on your blog, um, and some of those uh, show up in the book. Um, I think that you – I don't know how to characterize it. You ought to – you ought to take this to some other mediums, maybe, and maybe you do. But I think you have a a real knack for interviews. You don't ask out of the box questions. You you really have some deep questions, and I think that they produce very uh, uh, incredible answers. And and you know, part of that may be who you choose to interview. But uh, do you want to talk about maybe your favorite interview in the book or favorite interview you've done uh, for the blog? Oh, that is a, a much Harder question. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, just so you know, the way I do interviews, every one of them is done by email. Yeah. Not one is in person, not one is orally. And so I give the interviewee 10 or 15 questions, and I just say, take your best shot. And I throw out the lousy answers, and I edit a lot. Yeah. What you see there is really edited. So and even interviews, you think, oh, interviews are easy. You just turn on a tape recorder, right. and you have it transcribed, and you put it out. It's not true at all. So, uh, now, now there are some people who have are excellent, excellent interviewees. Um, the people who did the book Made to Stick, yeah. uh, Chip and Dan Heath, right. that was a great interview. Uh, Bob Sutton, the uh, No Asshole Rule, that was a good interview too. So those are a couple of my favorites. I enjoy your, uh, just if I can throw in one of my favorites, uh, Gar Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, on presentations. Yeah, I just really, uh, I, I dig everything he writes, too. <laughs> I think he's he's really kind of got the, uh, I'm not sure what he's doing in life, you know, bouncing between Japan and some other pretty cool things, but uh, yeah. I really love what he writes. There is, uh, let's dive into some of the other, other chapters and uh, maybe spend a little time on my favorite subject uh, that you talk about, and that's marketing. Uh, you talk about some things, and I think you call them stupid things, maybe, <laughs> that people do to hinder market adoption. And, and they, as I read your list, some of them are sort of counter to what people believe they have to do to market their business, and that's why they probably Which one? do them. Well, just, I mean, the, the idea of, unfortunately, you know, the idea of, uh, um, you know, enforce, enforced immediate registration – you know, the, the things that people do to make people, instead of just being able to come on down, see if you like it, maybe we'll get along, uh, everybody wants to, hey, if I have a visitor come to my site, I want to make them register, and I want to capture that information, and I want to market to them, and, um, and, I, and I think that some of the advice that you give, uh, particularly in that chapter, it's hard for people to get, because it's, it's really about just uh, being there and being authentic and, and hoping people, or, or eventually understanding that people will come to know, like, and trust you. Well, a good test is always, you know, would you do what you're asking someone else to do? Yeah. And, um, boy, a lot of companies ask people to do things they themselves would not do. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, and, and they even know. <laughs> they even know that you're good people, you know? So imagine somebody who doesn't really know if you're good people yet, what you're asking well, them we, to do. <laughs> um, I run this site called All Top, right? Right, right. There's zero registration right now. Yeah. And, and... I struggle with this because we're, we're thinking of doing something like my all top where people have their custom collection. Needs. Oh, yeah. That's going to take registration because when you do that and you go to another computer, you want the same page, yeah, right? Yeah. So that's going to take registration. And, uh, you know, then the question is what's the minimum you need for registration? Probably email as username and password. Yeah, right. Now, 
you know, you could make the argument, oh yeah, but you want uh, demographics so that you can tell your advertisers, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Right. I don't know when I when I am asked to register first name, last name, zip, age, you know, all that stuff, man. I just zone out. I don't. Yeah. It have to be really compelling content for me to do that. Yeah. Well, the, I think one of the the the, the filters is. Is is it in their self interest to do it? I mean, if if that's yes, then okay. If that's no, then you probably don't want to be asking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's another thing. Well, you know, the flip side is companies do need to make money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There is that. Yeah, there is that minor issue. Yeah. Um. Well, let's let, let me dig a little deeper then. How's Alltop going to make money? Alltop is going to make money right now. Uh, we are selling advertising on several places. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I have uh, seen some ads. Yeah. You know, we're doing okay. I, I don't, you know, it's not proven it's a business yet. Yeah. Our traffic is pretty good. We get thirty to 50,000 page views a day. Yeah. So, uh, you know, considering it's 2.5 people and zero venture capital, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, not bad. Yeah. Um, well, and you have all those wonderful people like me contributing content for it. That's right. That's right. So that's what makes the model work. (laughs) There's there's another uh, topic that you write about and I've heard you talk about, and that's the idea of framing your competition, or or I think the chapter is actually called Frame or Be Framed. Um, You want to talk a little more about that? Yeah, the concept is if you just sort of let things go, your competition may frame you or the marketplace may frame you. So I'll give you a very you know, sort of recent example. The way that uh, Henry Paulson and the Bush administration described this as a $700 billion bailout. Mm-hmm. So now it's framed as a $700, million, $700 billion bailout of rich people who are investment bankers. Right, right. right. You know, that, that's hard to stomach, right? Yeah. What they could have framed it as is, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to buy so much real estate for so little money. Yeah. The government is going to do this, and then with the profits we make, we're going to fund more green technology. <laughs> now, who would not vote for that? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. And, and, and if the thing is not passed, um, the second way you frame this is you say, all right, so if we don't do this, we, the U.S. government, then... Piece by piece, China and Abu Dhabi are going to buy America. Yeah. You want that to happen? Who's going to say no to that? Yeah, you, you can definitely get some people excited about that. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's all about framing. Yeah. Well, and just to take it down to the small business level even, sometimes I, I tell people to you're frequently asked questions – Ought to include questions they don't know to ask because they're the question they're the questions that uh, that 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 frame your competition. You know, it's we. You know, here's a question that you should be asking uh, because it's one that paints us in a light that our competition can't handle. And and I think that that's you know to to take it down to the a level that maybe is more practical for a small business. I, I think that is probably in that same concept. All right, so should you hire uh, – I love this uh, nerd-to-nerd network that you talk about. Uh, should you hire a PR firm or, or really uh, do it on your own? I think you should do it on your own, at least to start, because uh, the concept that a PR firm you know, knows every blogger and every press person better than you and, and can guarantee you ink 
I don't know if it's ink anymore. Bit, bits. <laughs> right. Uh, I think it's a bad concept uh, that, that you should, in fact, create these relationships. You should create them now before you need them. They will be stronger. Uh, they will move around with you. And, I, you know, I don't know about you, John, but I get, I don't know, two, three, four, five requests a day, you know. Yeah. Joe Blow from Blow Technology is proud to announce, you know, a... Twitter add-on, and he's going to be in the Bay Area from Monday through Friday. Would like to meet with you. And I look at those. Just you know, I, I have a keyboard macro. I just enter three characters, and those three characters expand automatically through this like five-sentence heartfelt response thing. I don't think so. Because <laughs> so, I get so many of those every day. Now you yeah. know. Now on the other hand, I think it, it's much more probable. If Joe Blow of Blow Technology tweeted me and said, you know, I'm going to be in town. I got this thing that, you know, I, I, this is how you could use it with Twitter. Yeah. Much higher probability I would meet with them or at least try it than if Trixie from Trixie PR firm contacts me with a pitch that is obviously something that hundreds of people are getting. Yeah. And I just have no sympathy for that. Yeah, I often tell PR people, if you really want to work with bloggers, start reading their blog and commenting on it. That would help. I want to comment. There is a chapter in that book about how to suck up to a blogger. Yeah, yeah, that was. I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, forget the influencers. I thought we're supposed to go find the, the 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 influencers with the big networks, and we're supposed to work them. People like Guy Kawasaki. So yeah, well, I was kind of shooting myself in the foot. <laughs> so um, the concept there is that um, these so-called big influencers, the I don't know, the Kawasaki's, the Arringtons, and all that. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't get PR from them. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the assumption that it's always a top-down, trickle-down model is false. And that, uh, like, like uh, you know, take the all-top case. So with all-top, believe it or not, we have this thing with Twitter feed where when we post to the all-top news blog, it automatically gets reposted and tweeted by 177 people to their followers. Okay? That's pretty cool. What this means mathematically is, let's say those 177 people have, I don't know, on average... Two or three hundred followers each. So what we're talking about is 50,000 people get the tweet that says uh, hiphop.alltop was open last night. Okay? 50,000 people get that instantly and free. Now, I don't think Scoble or Arrington is doing that for me. You know, yeah. they probably haven't signed up for that service, right? Yeah. These are people who just are on Twitter and like what do we do. And they may have a couple hundred followers. They don't have 20,000, right. like all the big names. And arguably, well, A, they're approachable and will do this. And B, arguably, it's a better thing for all top. So, you know, you know I rest my case. Uh, if you get in TechCrunch... It's a good thing, you know, for one day you get 50,000 visitors, the second day you get 25,000, and the third day you're back to 5,000 where you were the day before the, the TechCrunch article, right? Yeah. So, uh, on the other hand, if you can get these 177 people to sustain, and every time we announce something, they do us, you know, the 50,000 followers, my life is good. Yeah. Uh, it's a great thing. So, 
Um, I, I, now, these people are influential, but they're influential to you know, a couple hundred people. Yeah. They're not Walt Mossberg, Michael Arrington, Jason Calacanis, John Patel, Guy yeah. Kawasaki, Robert Scoble. They're not. Yeah. Uh, more power to them, actually. Well, I, I would venture to say that in some ways they're, they're followers, uh, potentially, uh, be they a small group or potentially uh, much more engaged. Yeah, absolutely. With them, yeah. Absolutely. And they're not as jaded, that's for sure. Yeah. How to get a standing ovation. Yeah, that's... Uh, it's page 215, just to remind you. That's one of your biggies, isn't it? That's one I hear people talking about. So how does, how do you, how does somebody get a standing ovation? In fact, you have a whole section on just the presentations because... Uh, they're so essential, and people suck at them so badly um, <laughs> that, that there could be lots of books, right? So, so how does one get a standing ovation? Well, the start of a standing ovation is having something good to talk about, right? Uh, so, you know, to paraphrase, depending on who you want to paraphrase, putting lipstick on a pig, yeah. you're not going to get a standing ovation. So you, you need to have something to talk about uh, that's good and interesting. And then there are just these little tips, you know, obviously you have to practice a lot. Obviously, if you're going to use PowerPoint, you should obey the 10, 20, 30 rule. Right. You should circulate with the audience before the thing so you can meet them and, you know, sort of befriend them and yeah. feel more comfortable in front of them. And then yeah. they'll want you to succeed more. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I, I do that. And it, it energizes me. I get more comfortable. Somebody will inevitably say something that you can pick up and use, you know, because yep. that group uses some language you've never heard of. And <laughs> yeah. Something happened before you spoke. Right. Something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a beautiful thing. And also, I think one of the keys to standing ovation, I've never heard any other speaking advice advisor say, you should... If you have a choice, and it's not often you have a choice, but if, if, if the conference people say to you, well, you, you can be in a room for 500 people or you can be in a room for 5,000 people, and, and you think, oh, I'll take the bigger room because that way more people, I think that's a mistake. You should always try to have a room that's too small for your audience yeah. so that it is just jam-packed. And people are standing in the audience. Yeah, so the standing ovation's already started, right? They're... Well, yeah, I mean, that's not hard, but yeah. It's much easier to get a yeah. standing ovation sure. in a room of a room set for 500 with 550 people in it yeah. than to get a standing ovation from 1,000 people in a 2,000 person rule yeah because those thousand people are first their first thought is god i'm a loser where do, you know i'm the only one here well not only that <laughs> but if there's a thousand empty seats guess what yeah the thousand people are sitting starting the 20th row back well that's right? true too right yeah you see, this, you see this big void in front of you and then you see people yeah that's yeah. a big mistake yeah nobody wants to sit in the front row no. so how does somebody become a, a better blogger in your opinion well, kind of like a standing ovation. You need, you got to have something to say. Okay, well, let me, let's touch on that um, because that's something I think hangs people up. I personally believe everybody actually has something to say. The question is, they don't think so. Well, uh, I don't know if everybody has something to say. Now, if you, if you define blogging as your personal expression, your, your, your own personal journey, your, your uh, journal, your own personal diary... Yeah, then everybody can blog and 
no one's going to read it, so what? You know, nobody reads your daily journal either. Yeah. If you define it that way, God bless you, everybody should blog. Yeah. Um, if that's the case, I have a better way for most people to begin blogging, yeah. which is a company called Posterous. Yeah. S-T-E-R-O-U-S. Yeah. And all you do is send an email to post at Posterous, and that begins your blog. And, you, you know, from then on, you have a blog, and all you have to do is it, it says, ah, email's coming from, you know, guy at all top. Uh, this is his posters account. Yeah, here's where I shove it. Pictures yeah. to it. It builds a slideshow. If you yeah. attach a f- video to it, it, it you know, creates a flash uh, yeah. video for you. Life is good. So that's the way for them to do it. Now, if you're talking about a blogger who wants people to read them, uh, him or her, then you really have to worry about your content. Yeah. And uh, I think it should be, well, I'll tell you what it should not be. It should not be salesy. Well, yeah. That is, the, the reason why people read blogs is to be informed for their benefit, not to read stuff about your sales and your product and your service for your benefit. So the question is, you know, who's benefiting by reading the blog? Now, I hope that in my blog people read it and they come away with something that makes them enlightened, um, you know, or makes them a better manager, a better marketer, a better speaker, a better blogger, a better whatever. But nowhere, well, seldom, I won't say never, seldom in my blog am I saying, you know, buy my book. Yeah. Although I'm going to do that this week. Right. You, you know, uh, I tell people how to be a better speaker, not how to buy my speaking tapes. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you, you clearly, uh, your content to me uh, clearly falls in the category of thought leader, and, and that's no surprise. Uh, I think there's still a lot of room in the how do I do stuff category. I think people are searching online for very specific, uh, I always like to use my plumber example, although that's gotten a little overused <laughs> in the last few weeks. But, uh, um, you know, people don't don't necessarily want to know how to change a p-trap but they want to know that you know how and and uh, so uh if they're going to hire you as a plumber and so i think there's still a lot of room for that kind of content as well and i i I don't know that it's for everybody but i I certainly think there's room for it uh i i i it you know it never ceases to amaze me that so i use a macintosh right and every once in a while i just cannot figure out yeah some error message yeah and if you just put quote marks around the exact error message type it in you will find the answer it's truly amazing it is isn't it (laughs) Um, and if you don't find the answer that way if you went on Twitter and you said this is what's happening you will get the answer yeah yeah All right, I'm going to finish with one last one and I'll let you go the art of sucking down yeah (laughs) that about yeah what's that about it it kind of goes back to your influential question yeah Uh, I think that uh, sucking down is vastly underrated. Sucking down is a very effective thing. Uh, for one thing, uh, most people, when you suck down, they're not used to being sucked down too. So they're like so thrilled and so happy that someone's giving them attention. They really take care of you. So there is a theory that you know you should suck up to. We'll take an extreme. So let's say you're a you're a startup entrepreneur, and your your dream is to get Walt Mossberg or David Pogue write about your site right right sucking up you're sucking up to the wall street journal you're sucking up to the new york times well 
You know what? Fifteen years ago, when David Pogue was a struggling writer about Macintosh, he wrote a book. And he wrote a book, and this is when I was, you know, some kind of Macintosh, very visible figure. Right. And so I wrote a blurb or a forward, I can't even remember now, for this guy who had written this book that really, you know, I mean, he, he, he was, he was, it was a good book. He's trying to break it out, you know, break out for himself. He's you know, doing all the good stuff. But I, you know, I didn't have to write it for him. I didn't have anything to gain to help him. But I did just because, I don't know, man, it caught me at a weak moment. I don't know why I did it. <laughs> and now he's the columnist for the New York Times. Guess what? <laughs> Occasionally he returns your phone call. Right, yeah. Well, I hope he will. I don't have an ask. You know, so, so I... I Sucking down is the concept of, you know, pay it forward. Don't just help people who are powerful. Help people who are not powerful. You never know. In five years, the person who's writing for the, you know, the Palo Alto Weekly free newspaper could be the Wall Street Journal West Coast editor. Yeah. Could happen. And there is no reason to make those people feel insignificant and small and unnecessary. Because, man, that is going to bite you in the ass. Yeah. So, well, and we can, we haven't even talked about uh, the natural laws of the universe and karma and uh, all that kind of good stuff either. But well, <laughs> but from a practical sense, it's going to bite you in the ass too. Yeah. Ever noticed when you check in at an airline and somebody's just screaming yeah. at the um, yeah yeah the person at the check-in counter yeah and you just know that <laughs> you know it's not that person's fault, eh, right? Right. They really can't do much about it, but you're you know you I don't know why you just screaming at me. You're threatening to never fly on that airline again. It's like PFD, don't fly on that airline. You think it's gonna matter to them? I mean, and, yeah, can I get that in writing? Right. And um, yeah, I. You know the the person who is controlling what seat and what flight you're gonna get on and where your baggage is. This is the person you're pissing off. Yeah. Let's yeah. review that situation again. <laughs> what are you missing? On yeah. This? yeah. Person has your welfare. In her hand. Yeah, and and she's got a little button, that you, a little button you don't know about. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna go to Austin, and your bags are gonna go to Australia. Right. That's how it's gonna work. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. yeah, I don't get that. Well, guy, it's always great to talk to you. Uh, reality check is coming out this week. Uh, I know you people can, uh, can can order it online and and various other places. Uh, support those independent bookstores. I always love to get that in. Um, and uh, I, I'm sure it will be very successful, and I Thank you. appreciate you taking the time. And Thank I, th- you. Thank I think you. we're doing a panel discussion, actually, uh, in, a, in a few weeks as well, so we'll get to chat again soon. Okay. All right. Thanks, Guy. Thank you. Take Bye-bye. Care.